Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 39. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss the especially helpful herb called burdock, what it is, all the potential health benefits, and how to use it. What you need to know about bladder stones in dogs and cats, including natural solutions. Then lastly, I'm going to discuss the current information about Lyme disease in dogs, how this is so different than in people, and why you should be especially cautious about vaccines for it. Now Veterinary Secrets is iTunes. You can go to iTunes.com and search for Veterinary Secrets. We're also on Stitcher. You can go download the Stitcher app and search for Veterinary Secrets. I would definitely appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. Lastly, I encourage you to get my book. It's the fastest way to start treating your pets at home. And you can get it by going to veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Now let's get right into today's podcast. To begin with, we're going to discuss burdock. What is it? Well, to begin with, it's a plant that is used for centuries to treat a variety of ailments. Traditionally, it has been used as a blood purifier, clear the bloodstream of toxins. It's been used as a diuretic to help eliminate excess water by increasing urine output. It's been used as a topical remedy for skin problems such as eczema, acne, and psoriasis. Uh, medicinal uses of burdock have been reported in treating chronic diseases such as cancer, diabetes, and AIDS. Extracts of burdock root are found in a variety of herbal preparations, as well as homeopathic remedies. In traditional Chinese medicine, burdock is often used with other herbs for sore throat and colds. In Japan and some parts of Europe, burdock is eaten as a vegetable. Burdock itself, it contains inulin, it's a natural dietary fiber, and is also used to improve digestion. As a root vegetable, it possesses considerably stronger antioxidant activity than common vegetables and fruits. In fact, some recent studies confirm that burdock has prebiotic properties that could improve your health or your pet's health. Despite the fact that burdock has been used for centuries to treat a variety of conditions, there's been very few scientific studies examining its effects. What should you know about it? Well, what is it made of? Well, there's the burdock roots themselves. They, car- they carry numerous compounds that are known to have been antioxidant, disease-preventing, and health-promoting properties. Burdock contains an ingredient called inulin, which one helps as a laxative. Secondly, it also acts as a prebiotic, helps reduce blood sugar level, body weight, and cholesterol levels. Burdock root is is especially important, containing high amounts of an electrolyte called potassium and very low in sodium. Potassium is an important component of cell and body fluids that help help control heart rate and blood pressure. The herb contains quantities of many vital vitamins, including folic acid, riboflavin, peroxidine, niacin, vitamin E, vitamin C. Both vitamin C and vitamin E are powerful natural antioxidants. Furthermore, it contains other valuable minerals such as iron, manganese, magnesium including small amounts of zinc, calcium, selenium, and phosphorus. What are the available forms? Like how would you take it? How would you be giving it to your dogs or your cats? It can come as the dried root powder. There's decoctions where a liquid is made by boiling down the herb. Traditionally, this would be the root in water. There's tinctures. It's a solution of the herb and alcohol or water and alcohol. It's probably the most concentrated form. And then there's fluid extracts, you know, such as the teas. What are some of the burdock root health benefits? First of all, it provides potent antioxidants. It contains powerful antioxidants, including phenolic acids, quercetin, and lutein. Antioxidants, they're substances that help to protect you or your pet's body from free radicals, which are unstable molecules that damage healthy cells. An article published in BMC Complementary and Alternative Medicine in 2001 noted that burdock root tea is a promising beverage because of its antioxidant properties and its ability to slow tumor cell growth. It protects the liver. Liver disease, such as cirrhosis or alcoholic hepatitis, can result from alcohol abuse. Obviously, this is in particular 
they're applying towards people. Over time, heavy alcohol consumption causes inflammation and scarring in the liver. According to a study published in the Journal of Biomedical Sciences in September 2002, properties in burdock root help prevent damage to the liver and are effective in treating liver damage caused by alcohol use. It detoxifies the blood. Because blood is the life, the fluid of your body is important to keep it free from toxins as possible. Traditionally, burdock root has been used as a blood purifier, clearing toxins from the bloodstream. A study published in Inflammable Pharmacology in October 2011 found that burdock detoxifies blood and promotes blood circulation to skin surface, improving skin texture and mitigating conditions like eczema. So how, would, how can it be taken? How to take it? Well, I want to give you one basic formula for chronic skin problems and then one that is especially applicable to our dogs that have dog allergies. And what that includes is two parts of burdock root, one part dandelion, one part red clover, one part garlic powder. You can use the tinctures where you're going to buy the individual tinctures and mix them together. Or you can use the dried herb and you can make a tea. You can also add into that combination additional flaxseed oil, evening primrose oil, borage seed oil, or fish oil. And you combine them all together. The dose is one tablespoon for 40 pounds of your pet's body weight daily. Now let's get on to the second part of today's podcast, bladder stones. What are some of the signs? Bladder stones typically show up as signs of your dog or cat having a bladder infection. Your pet may be crying or straining when urinating. You might see blood in your pet's urine. He or she is urinating more frequently. They may be urinating through the house. Your male dog might have a visible discharge from the sheath of his penis. What are the common causes? Well, the most common bladder stone in dogs and cats is called struvite. These always form with a high urine pH. In other words, the urine is alkaline. In dogs, struvite stones form secondary to bladder infections, while in cats, struvite stones form primarily with diet and inadequate water intake. Struvite is made up of three minerals, magnesium, ammonium, and phosphate. The other common stone is called oxalate. Oxalate stones form in acidic urine. Burmese and Himalayan cats are genetically predisposed to the development of calcium oxalate bladder stones. 35% of cats with calcium oxalate bladder stones have elevated blood calcium, called hypercalcemia. In dogs, the most common breeds with oxalates are miniature schnauzers. Cats with calcium oxalate stones tend not to have bladder infections and tend to have acidic urine pH on the urinalysis. Third most common bladder stone in dogs are called uric acid uroliths. These almost exclusively form in the Dalmatian breed. This breed has a unique form of nucleic nucleic acid metabolism. Nucleic acids are protein, and these dogs with stones can't convert uric acid to allantone. The excess uric acid in the bladder forms into the stone, the urate stone. So what should you do? uh, First thing, obviously, is seeing your veterinarian. If your dog or cat is straining to urinate, not producing any urine, it really is imperative that you have have him or her examined as soon as possible. You want to make sure that this isn't completely obstruction urine flow. I mean, that's an immediate veterinary emergency that needs to be dealt with, not something you want to look at at home. But now I want to talk about some of the additional home remedies, especially you already had your dog or cat diagnosed, and you're looking at, you're asking questions like, what else can I do to help dissolve these stones? We're struvite stones. So in most cases of bladder stones and bladder infections, the goal is to acidify the urine. This prevents the recurrence of most common bladder stone struvite. Diets higher in protein are more acidifying. Specific veterinary diets are designed for acidification. A higher protein homemade diet is also suitable. Vitamin C 
this acidifies the urine and may prevent the recurrence of bladder stones and bladder infections. You can start with a low dose of 100 milligrams per 10 pounds daily. Cranberry. It's a traditional home remedy that has been used for people with recurrent urinary tract infections. The beneficial effects are from the acidification of the urine, making it more difficult for the bacteria to adhere to the bladder wall. The dose of the juice is 1 mil per pound daily, and the dose of the tablet, such as cranactin, is a half a capsule per 10 pounds daily. Probiotics. If your pet is on antibiotics for a UTI, it's a really good idea to supplement him or her with a probiotic such as lactobacillus to restore the healthy bacteria that are lost. You know, a typical dose, pour of a capsule per 10 pounds of body weight daily. Fluid in all cases of infections or stones, additional fluid in- intake is mandatory in treatment and preventing recurrence. For cats, I suggest feeding only canned food. For dogs, add water to their dry food. Urinary acidifier. There's a natural urinary acidifier called L-methionine. That's an amino acid. The dose is 25 milligrams per cat. That's 25 milligrams per 10 pounds daily. What are some herbs? There are some specific herbs that are helpful in dissolving bladder stones and acidifying the urine. These are hydrangea, stone root, gravel root, and corn silk. The dose of the combined herbal formula is 0.2 mils per 5 pounds of the tincture given once daily. There's a Chinese herb called Ba Zhang San, and it was used in my veterinary practice for dogs with recurrent UTIs. And it appeared to be especially effective, especially when we're dealing with these these guys that we just couldn't control their bladder infection. They're on repeated doses of antibiotics. The dose of the concentrate is an eighth of a teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. Homeopathic, a few homeopathics I want to mention. One is called Cantheris. It can provide some symptomatic relief for pain relief from the UTIs. The dose is two 30C tablets given twice daily for three to five days. So, and the dose, we're looking at one 30C tablet per 10 to 20 pounds of your pet's body weight. Aconite, best if early in the disease with few other signs. I give one 30C tablet two to three times a day, and that's per 10 to 20 pounds of body weight, and obviously more based on dog or cat's weight. Oxalate stones, in a small percentage of these animals, the type of bladder stone is called calcium oxalate, which forms an acidic urine. So then we really need to look at other things. Then the goal is making the urine more alkaline, less acidic. So the diet for oxalates, a lower protein, higher in fiber can diet, especially for cat. An example of this is a can senior diet, which has moderately reduced protein. In dogs, you can use a vegetarian diet to achieve an alkaline alkaline pH and avoid or dissolve the oxalate stones. Avoid vitamin C because it's going to acidify the urine. Look at adding in additional potassium citrates. This is available in many forms. will help prevent the oxalate stones from returning. The average 10-pound cat dose is 250 milligrams twice daily. Vitamin B6 in some animals. This specific B vitamin will prevent oxalates from forming in the urine. If your dog or cat has oxalates, you can get them on a B vitamin supplement. Fluid once again, as we talked about earlier with the struvite stones. Additional fluid intake. Canned food and adding additional water to the dry food. The last one I want to talk about was the urate stones. Two things. One, the diet for urates. Avoid animal protein. It's high nucleic acid and subsequent urates. In dogs, you can use a specific urate stone diet called UD. It can dissolve many urates without surgery. For long-term control, use a vegetarian diet to achieve an alkaline pH and avoid or dissolve the urate stones. You want to avoid things like vitamin C because you don't want to acidify the urine. Avoid things like brewer's yeast. It's very high in urate-forming contents. You can look in adding in additional allopurinol. This is available in many forms. Will help prevent urate stones from returning. The dog dose is 50 milligram 
per 10 pounds daily. Now let's get on to the last part of today's podcast, Lyme disease. Now let's start it with the difference, human Lyme disease versus canine Lyme disease. Well, the first big thing you need to know about Lyme disease is it's very different in dogs compared with people. After being bitten by a tick that contains the bacteria that causes Lyme disease, Borrelia, 80% of people will develop a rash and or flu-like symptoms. In the next few weeks, joint pain ensues, and then 50% of people will develop neurologic abnormalities. Most dogs at this period of time have no symptoms at all. Weeks to months after infection, about 60% of people will experience intermittent arthritis attacks, and 5% will develop chronic neurologic manifestations. In people, Lyme disease presents with the potential for serious long-term illness. In dogs, long-term illness never seems to occur. When canine illness does happen, it doesn't usually begin to show up for weeks to months after the infection, at which point arthritic signs are noticed. Sometimes there's a fever in dogs, heart, and neurologic issues are, are very, very rare. Plus, the symptoms of canine Lyme disease generally respond very quickly to very inexpensive course of the proper antibiotic. So the big point, one, this, the bacteria that causes at Borealia, that organism, it's well suited to live in the dog body without causing many problems. It just hangs out there but not causing clinical signs. Most exposed dogs harbor the organism uneventfully and never get sick. Still, it's really important not to discount Lyme disease in dogs completely because one, you want to make sure you're aware of it, not to overlook an easily eliminated cause of chronic joint disease, especially in dogs in the area of the northeast U.S. where Lyme disease is most present. A dog's most, the most serious long-term potential regards the kidney called glomerular disease. It's a type of kidney damage that occurs when the immune system is stimulated over a long period of time by an infectious agent, you know, such as Borrelia, then that, that attacks the kidneys and causes kidney damage. So what do you need to know? First of all, the vector of Lyme disease is called the deer tick, Ioxides. The female tick can lay a clump of approximately 2,000 eggs in the spring, and then it hatches out these larvae, then they go through various life cycles. These small larvae can then attach to, they're looking for a small thing to get a, a blood meal from. Typically, it's a small little mouse. And that mouse, if he's carrying that spirochete, the Borrelia, then that can then infect the tick that can then potentially be passed on to your dog. The big one, big key point, after an infected tick bites your dog, it takes 40 hour, 48 hours uh, for that organism, the Borrelia, to be transmitted. So meaning that it take, because it takes 40 hours, that means that if the tick is removed within 48 hours after attaching, the organisms, the spirochete, Borrelia cannot be transmitted and your dog will not get the disease. So what can you do to prevent infection? First, obviously, tick control is key. And if you're in an area where it's endemic with ticks, you may need to be looking at some of the more conventional type products, you know, such as Prevent, Advantix, Frontline, etc. On the west coast of the United States, west coast of Canada, there's far less Lyme disease in the east. So in general, much, much, much less of a concern. What about testing for Lyme disease? Well, there's a solution, there's a, a specific test called the C- C6 test, and it's an immunological test for antibodies against uh, a type of protein that the, that the Borrelia would contain. So what is the treatment? So most dogs, for the most part, as, we said, as I said earlier, have no clinical sign. But if your dog has this waxing and waning chronic arthritis, especially we're looking at sort of youngish dog who's generally been very healthy and all of a sudden, possibility that they've been exposed to a deer tick and they have Lyme disease, discuss that with your veterinarian because there's a couple of very simple antibiotics. One is a two to four week course of an antibiotic called doxycycline, inexpensive, limited side effects. Amoxicillin is another effective alternative, very inexpensive and very minimal side effects. The one disease I talked about earlier, glomerular disease, um, where you've got this immune system that is overreacted and it's it's put these little 
antibody complexes have been deposited within the kidneys themselves and they cause damage to the kidneys and cause kidney disease. So the big thing with that is in terms of testing for that, your veterinarian would actually get a sample of urine and they see a high level of protein within that urine. Based on that, they might suspect there's glomerular disease. And if they see that in this sort of middle-aged dog, especially if you're in the Northeast, some, some, some people should be then thinking about, is it Lyme disease? Can we treat that? So the last big thing I want to discuss is vaccination. Yes or no? Should your dog be vaccinated for Lyme disease? In my my opinion, no. There's a couple big points. One, there's a, some big questions and marks about the effectiveness of vaccinating for any type of organism that's not a virus. So how effective is Lyme disease? How, how effective is Lyme disease vaccine? In my opinion, not very. Secondly, too, there's some controversy around it and some people have postulated that the Lyme vaccine itself stimulates antibodies, which can then result in these immune compounds complexes which can damage the kidneys and cause a glomerular disease. So based on those two reasons, I'd really steer you away from vaccines. One big thing, if you're in an area where it's a high tick population, you know Lyme disease is present, look at like effective tick control. But the one big last big key takeaway I want to make is that fortunately for most dogs, minimal chance of any chronic disease and a pretty simple thing to treat conventionally. Well, thank you guys for li- for listening to this episode of Venery Secrets. As I discussed earlier, if you've yet to do so, I encourage you to subscribe. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear about them. One, you can send me an email that's at podcast.com veterinarysecrets.com or you can post a comment on my blog and that's that's at the internet pet vat or veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog i put every podcast up there lastly if you've yet to do so i encourage you to start treating your pets at home with my free book and three three free videos which you can get at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash snooze once again thanks for listening i look forward to talking to you again next week this is dr jones